Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Bibles and go with me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, as you're turning there, uh, I was thinking about this series and getting ready for it. I was... Uh, this morning as we look at our text, there's, there's this thought of two Gospels, and I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about my father. Now, my father doesn't believe in two Gospels, but my father spent his life work, working for Coca-Cola Bottling Company. In fact, Greg, would you hand me that bottle right there? Oh, my pew. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Had to bring my bottle with me today. My father spent his life work, working for Coca-Cola in uh, Elizabethtown, the bottling company. And growing up in our house, I didn't realize how special it was to grow up in our house. Because we grew up, we always had Coke in the house. I mean, I, I'd go to friends' house and they, they might have a two liter, they might not. It might be a generic, it might be the real thing. We had the real thing and we had it in glass bottles. And I promise you, if you've never had it out of a glass bottle, you've missed something. We had, and we didn't have, I brought one with me this morning because we didn't have the little bottles that you get now. We had these big boys. And anytime at our house, there was guaranteed four cases of 24 packs of Coke at our house. Because what the deal was, was they could, dad could get free tickets for, for cases of Coke. And anytime he brought in an, an empty case, he got another case. And then he had friends who worked there who didn't have, you know, they were retired, their kids were all grown, so they didn't need that many cases, so they'd give dad extra tickets. And so we always had at least four 24 wooden crate cases of Coke. Occasionally he'd splurge and get mellow yellow, but we wanted the Coke, you know. And in our refrigerator in the house was always cold Coke. When dad, when dad had his side business at the, in the garage uh, on our property, uh, we had a refrigerator over there. We always had cold Coke in that bill. Now, one of the things was for, for him to get those was he had to drink Coke. Now, let me explain that. The, the Smiths required that their employees only drink Coca-Cola. I mean, what... what would it really look good for a guy who works for Coca-Cola wearing a Coca-Cola uniform out at a restaurant that serves Pepsi and them drinking Pepsi? That wouldn't do. You could only drink Coca-Cola. I've watched my father on vacation miles away from Hardin County, Elizabethtown. Sit down at a restaurant and the waitress come up and say, what would you like to drink? And dad go, do you have Coke products or Pepsi products? We have Pepsi. My father would say, I'll take a tea or a water. He, he would not bend on drinking a Pepsi product. Why? Because they said, you only drink Coke products. And even to this day, if we go to a restaurant and it serves Pepsi, dad just gets water. I can go to our house, to my mom and dad's house right now, and go to the refrigerator, and there are Coke products in the refrigerator. Now, they're not the glass bottle ones anymore. Shame on them. But uh, they're the plastic bottles. My dad stayed committed 
to only drinking Coke. I tell you that story this morning because as we start the, the book of Galatians, there is this question as to which gospel are you going to serve? Are you committed to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ or are you committed to the gospel of mankind? And Paul writes to the church and there's this, this issue and he begins to address it right out of the gate. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Galatians chapter 1, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? Verse 1, or verse 6 and 7, I'm sorry. Verse 6 says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, today be honored and glorified in your word. I pray that you would speak clearly. Remind us that there is one gospel and it's found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's the big idea I want you to catch today. The big idea is believers must be careful not to turn away from the gospel of Christ to some, something other than the gospel. Now catch that. We've got to be careful not to turn away from the gospel of Christ to something other than the gospel. And before you go, well, I'm not, this is not a message for me. I, let me just pause and, and, and ask you to stop and think for a moment. The word there in Galatians, turning away, is deserting. The Greek defines it as rebellion, a revolt, an idea of, of deciding something's different. And I would argue, and we see it in Scripture, that we all have those moments. Even after we come to know Christ. And so in fact, so this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to start with, if you're taking notes with this, with me when we turn away because I think we all at some point in our life struggle and rebel and turn so let me give you let me give you three things if you're taking notes with us this morning of, of what happens or why we choose to do that uh, why we decide that we can turn away the first one is simply this we decide we know better than God We decide we know better than God. If you're reading through the Bible with us this year, you know that we've already read the first three chapters of Genesis. In fact, let me make this announcement real quick. At the end of the service, if you're reading through the, the, Bible, uh, the Bible recap with us and are having problems, you can come to e any door today and there'll be somebody there. Kelly Van Zandt will be out there. Pam will be over here. Melinda Owens will be over here. And they'd love to help you get connected with that. But if you've read the Bible recap this morning, you know that Adam and Eve come to a place in their life and they decide we know better. We, we know better than, than God. We, we've come to a place that, that we want something. We, we've got to have that. We, we don't want to miss out on what God has for us. You know what that it's called? FOMO. 
You ever heard of that FOMO? Fear of missing out. We're afraid we're going to miss something. Adam and Eve were afraid that they, they were going to miss something if they didn't have the knowledge. And so what do they do? They choose to eat the fruit. Now, throughout Scripture, we, we see other people do this. Saul comes to a place in his life he knows better than God, and so he, he acts upon it. Others act upon it. We do that when we know what the Scripture teaches us, and we go, yeah, but, yeah, but, and we, we decide we can justify those actions. We know better. And so what do we do? We, we act on our own accord. And when we begin to do that, we, we start this turn and we start this moving away from God. Now, the second thing is, this morning is, we decide the risk isn't worth the reward. The risk isn't worth the reward. And think about it. Peter comes to a place in his life where he's asked point blank, aren't you with them? Aren't you one of the disciples? The risk for Peter wasn't worth it. And so he says, well, no. And he doesn't say it once, he says it three times. We have those moments in our life when we decide the risk isn't worth it. We, we're, we've decided friendships are more important than sharing the gospel. Because we're afraid if we speak up on, for the gospel, we'll lose a friendship. Somebody will dislike us on Facebook if we, if we start talking about God. And so we decide the risk isn't worth the reward. And every time we do that, there is this beginning shift that, that happens. There's this turning away from God to something else. And we wrestle with that. But we, we come to a place in our life where we've just come numb to, to, to seeing things and we just refuse to take a stand. We refuse to, to, to speak up. All because we're afraid of what somebody might say. We decide, and maybe this isn't you, but maybe it is, you, you won't share the gospel with the person you know needs the gospel for the fear of what they might ask. The reward of them coming to heaven is not as great as the fear of you not knowing the answer. Again, there's this turn, this shift. The third thing we, what happens when we do this is we decide God needs our help. God needs our help. Now this is the one we find ourselves in the middle of when Paul writes this letter. For you see, when Paul writes this, it's an interesting note there in Galatians that Paul, at this moment in the first chapter, is normally giving a attaboy conversation to the, to the people he sends it to. I've heard about your good deeds, how you love, how you're doing these things. But when it comes to Galatians, there's none of that. He jumps right into the reprimand, the scolding, the, what are you thinking? kind of conversation it's because they've listened to a group of people who decided God needed their help let me think about it and, and 
and you may have find, found yourself in this spot in your life. God needs your help because God doesn't answer all the right questions. I've known churches who, who or people who've, who've declared they know what God expects in a man's haircut. And if it's too long, they've told the person to leave. I'm not kidding. I, I know churches who have, have set a dress code for women that the dress better be long enough and we better not see your ankles. One of my former students used to attend a church. She married into this family and started attending the, this church of the family. And it was a rule. Ladies, you sit over there. Men, you sit over here. The women sat to the right because they're always right. What happens when we do that? We decided God needed our help. So we add to God's laws. And what was happening here at Galatians was there were people who came who said, hey, Paul was wrong. Jesus is not the only thing that you need. You need to be under the law of Moses. Which means you have to commit to all these rules and regulations. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the dietary laws. You need to do all these things. What they're doing is they've decided God needs our help. And it works both ways. You may not be adding to God's commands, but have you ever taken away from God's commands? You know, God, God really doesn't mean that we, we can't do this. We can live together. We don't have to be married. We can do this. We can do that. All those things, if, if we come to that place, we're, we're deciding that God needs our help because he really doesn't mean that, does he? Listen, anytime we add or subtract to God's rule, we're turning away from God. We're turning away to man, not God. So, how do we turn to God? And, and, and I thought later I probably should have, instead of not turn from God, but but avoid turning away, you know, because there are moments when we, when we, I think we do. We have those moments where we, we slip. David turned. Notice Bathsheba. Well, I'm the king. I can do this. Oops. Well, now let me clean it up. I don't need God's help. I can do this. So how, how do we, how do we avoid? How do we, how do we come back? Let me give you three things. The first is focus on what God has done. Focus on what God has done. We can get ourselves in a spot where we're, we're so consumed with the world and we can lose focus of what God's done. We need to pay attention to the way God's worked. Because God's worked in your life, amen? I mean, God's done incredible things in your life. And in my life. I, I think about my own personal life and I just can't believe what God has done in my life. I, I, I'll be honest. 
My wife years ago, in her early years of teaching, ran across a friend of mine who, who played fo- high school football with me. We did several things. He saw the picture on her desk of the two of us and said, oh, you're married to Erdie. And she said, yeah. He said, what's he doing these days? Oh, he's a student pastor. He's a what? She came home, told me, I said, honey, just know the grace of God is real. I, I, I just, I'm amazed. I, I'm amazed that I went to college and seminary. And some of you know this. I have this, I have this issue with my eyesight. I, I'm unable to read a straight line very well. In fact, you've been here very long. You know, you've caught me, you know, in the middle of something that I've, I've lost my place and can't find it again. In fact, some of you go, how come you don't ever use any notes? It's because I can't see them. My eyes just don't let me do that. But by the grace of God, I was able to go to college, seminary, and graduate, I do have a diploma in both places. Praise the Lord. But the greatest thing God did was save me. The greatest thing he did was save me. He rescued me from the life that I was living. Oh, I've not been perfect. No one has. But the thing is, we can focus on what God has done. I focus on the way God works in my life. Listen, I tell you my reading issues, and I was in middle school, I left church one night in tears because I couldn't read. The teacher didn't call on me, I wanted to read. And when I did, I blew it. Went home in tears. And so I, I stop and I, I'm amazed at how God works and what God does. But the greatest thing he did in my life is not help me get through a school, not help me find a beautiful wife, have a beautiful family, but he saved me for all eternity. Amen. And when the, mo- when the days get dark and life gets hard, we've got to stop and remember what God has done. Romans 5.8 tells us this. But God, looks at, look at this, proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. Listen, it wasn't because what you did, wasn't what I did. I didn't merit God's love. I deserve hell for sure. But Christ died. He died for me. Second thing we have to start doing is we've got to focus on acknowledging God's love. Acknowledging. We, we've, got to, we've got to come to a place where we're aware and we're thankful for what God's doing. And, and we need to, to express that thanksgiving. John F. Kennedy said this, we must find time to stop and thank the people who make a difference in our lives. The greatest difference in my life was Christ, but then there's a whole line of people. Miss Mary Smith. Miss Mary Smith raised three children, all who went to the mission field. Her, 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 let me back up. She raised one son who had three grandchildren, and they all went to the mission field. Miss Mary Smith loved missions and loved people. 
There were multiple days that I'm sure she went home and got on her knees and prayed for this little wild child. But she loved me through it all. Milton Mears. Milton Mears was a farmer who didn't graduate high school, but loved the Lord and loved his word. Taught, taught us in Sunday school and taught us on Wednesday nights. In fact, in Sunday school, when we'd get a new quarterly book, he'd give us the book and he'd write his initials on the book. And he says, now listen, at the end of the quarter, if you'll bring that book back to me, I'll give you a dollar. And we did. The list of people who I could give thanks to of the way they've invested in my life. And those moments in our life when life seems to be difficult, we need to stop and, and give thanks. Paul talked about acknowledging what Christ had done. He tells them, Christ is the one who set you free. And so we need to stop and acknowledging that. Henry Ward Beecher said this, the unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but the thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessing. Think about that for a moment. How thankful for are you? How thankful are you for what God is doing and done? For some, 2021 has been a difficult year and not a year we want to go back through. But I, I'm certain if you stop and you think about it, there are people you can thank who helped you through it. You can certainly thank God for carrying you through moments when you didn't seem like you could go. The thing is we've got to acknowledge. Acknowledgement means we express it with our words, but we express it with the way we live. Acknowledgement is understanding what God wants us to do and doing it. First uh, John 4.19 tells us this. We love because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. And so we express that knowledge by loving back because we've experienced it firsthand through God. The third thing we find in our text, how to keep from turning away, is to focus on revealing God's love. Focus on revealing God's love. You look at the text, one of the things that was happening here was um, there was somebody, there were people coming to the church, and there were an argument over how they should live their life. Paul even says, he gives two characteristics of, of the issue of people. And, and I, I would tell you, these two characteristics have been all through church history, all through modern church history, all through our church history at times. These two things have happened in every church, but the question is, how do you resolve it? And the, the, the response is, the two issues he brings is there are people who cause trouble. Mike, has there ever been any trouble in churches you've pastored? Uh-huh. There are people who cause trouble. And the second thing is they want to divert the gospel. Now, here's what happens. Those two always go together. Anytime you have church conflict, 
most of the time, generally speaking, you've got somebody who didn't get their way and they're arguing for their way and it has nothing to do with the gospel. And so what they're doing is they are upset and they're trying to rally the troops around them to agree with them so they can make enough noise to get their way. They didn't choose the right color carpet. They didn't choose the right color paint. They didn't do what I asked them to do. And so they rally the people and it has nothing to do with the gospel. Every time we do that, we lose focus on the gospel and we put it on man. Tom Rainer was the president and CEO of Lifeway uh, for years and has re since retired from that role and moved on. And now he just does leadership. And uh, a few months back, he did a, um, it was probably a little longer than that, he did a, a Twitter survey that talked about church conflict. And he said, I didn't realize how quick it was going to blow up. Uh, there were people who started responding to his, his tweet about the church conflicts that they had experienced as pastors and even the, how it split churches. So he did a whole article on it. Uh, and he wrote 25, he said, I left the ones out, color of the paint, the floor, the carpeting, those types of things, and only picked 25 that were the weirdest and silliest. Now, I, I'm not going to read you the 25, although I thought they were pretty funny. I narrowed it to three for you. So here, here are three that he had. There was a dispute over whether the church should allow people to wear black t-shirts since black is the color of the devil. I really thought it was red. <laughs> I didn't know it was black. But they had an argument in church over what color shirt you can wear. Praise the Lord, I didn't put a black one on today, all right? Second one. Some, I get this one. Some church members left the church because one church member hid the vacuum cleaner from them and it resulted in a major fight and split. I want to keep a major fight and split from happening. Our vacuum is right around the corner in this lobby. If you need it, it's there, okay? If you can't find it, find one of us. We'll find it for you, okay? Is, is that worth arguing over? I, I don't think so. Certainly not worth a, a major fight or a split in the church, but some church had it. Uh, one more. A 45-minute heated argument over what type of filing cabinet to purchase. Black or brown, two, three, or four drawers. I wanted to go, who cares? Just go get one. And yet, every time that happens, the gospel is lost. And, and make no mistake about it. When those things happen in a church, the community hears about it. Because guess what happens the next morning at the, the local gossip center? Well, you know what they did down there at church? And that continues to spread and, and it hurts the gospel. Friends, our responsibility is to focus on making much of Christ. Amen. Not in our ear. And only for us to do that is we've got to reflect God's love. We've got to recognize what's worth arguing over and what's not. And trust me, a filing cabinet, a, a shirt color, 
or a vacuum are not worth arguing over. Whether Jesus can save you, mate, is an argument to have. But we're called to reflect his love, to keep his commandments, to do what he's called us to do. 1 John 5, 3 says this. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. That's all they are. They're not burdensome. They're just to keep us focused on the right thing and in the right direction. Close your Bible. I'm done. Look at me just for a moment. A few years ago, CBS News did a news report on the Indiana State, uh, on the Indiana Police Department. They were doing a training exercise. The training exercise went like this. At just one moment during the training exercise, every officer is to stand at attention. Now, their goal is to help officers not lose focus of what they're supposed to do. And so, to help them in this moment, they stand at attention, and one of their commanders comes up behind them with a rubber chicken and squeaks it in them. And they have the opportunity to stand at attention and not give in. I think I got a picture of it for you. And when they would do that, they, that off, the commanding officer would just walk up behind them with this rubber chicken and you had to stand there and not break a smile, a giggle. And it was lighthearted fun, but it was to drive a point home. You have a job to do. Don't be distracted. Don't, be, don't let something catch you off guard and throw you out of whack. We have a responsibility as believers to make much of Christ. There's not two gospels, there's one. There's the gospel of Jesus Christ and our responsibility is not to be distracted by anything else but only proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never come to a place in your life and said, I need Jesus. I've been chasing after all these other things. I've, I need Jesus. Well, today is the day. Today's the day that you come to a place where you confess that to Christ. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you make the choice today to follow him.